I joined CIPLA virtually as an intern because when I joined in 1960, CIPLA could not give me a job. As a relative of a director, I had to be approved by the company law board. They took one and a half years to give me approval. That is Yusuf Hamid recollecting his first steps as a 24-year-old into his father's pharma firm, Sipla. Few would have then imagined the Lithuanian-born chemist would put India on the global pharma stage as a crusader. My idea of a better ordered world is one in which medical discoveries would be free of patents and there would be no profiteering from life or death. Hamid pioneering low-cost drugs put the business on track, but always looming was the worry of succession. In 2017, Hamid's nephew, Kamil Hamid, who had been understood to be groomed to taking over the reins for the drug maker, quit, and the burden of the third-generation takeover landed on his sister, Samina. At the time to ensure solidarity, the founder struck an agreement that any member looking to sell shares would first offer them to other promoters. But as they say, all good things must come to an end. Just as Dr. Hamid celebrated his 87th birthday on July 25th, the markets were still raving about Sipla's earnings and another set of headlines grabbed the limelight. Shares of Sipla hitting a record high in trade. Sipla promoters are looking to sell part stake in the company. And we hear that they are in talks with several private equity players for exploring a transaction and stake. And this time the company has not outrightly denied it. Is it an end of an era? Is the doctor crusader of Sipla writing out a prescription of sale? And what could be on the mind of founder Yusuf Hamid? Will PEs be interested in such a large buyout? Or could there be a major merger in medicine? It's August 3rd. I'm your host, Anupriya Nair from The Economic Times. We get answers to all those questions on the CIPLA sales speculation with ET's Vikas Dandekar and Arijit Parman on The Morning Brief. You can't talk pharma without the in-house pharma pundit, ET's Vikas Dandekar who recently penned an emotional evoking piece in ET Prime on a possible PE deal in CIPLA, which was titled, Here's What Could Be on the Mind of Founder Yusuf Hamid. Vikas is here to diagnose with us what is really happening at CIPLA. Welcome Vikas and always great to have you here on TMB. Thank you so much, Anu. It's great to be here again. Vikas, this is not the first time CIPLA has made headlines for a possible stake sale or even a complete buyout. I mean, I recall these headlines a few times over not just the last decade, but even before that. Yes, absolutely. Initially, I remember it was 2006. Suddenly the name came up that could there be a merger? And that was around the time when uh, Ranbaxi, you know, family at that time led by Malvinder Singh spoke about doing an internal consolidation in the industry. And Sipla was seen as the sitting duck with everything that can actually power a company in the domestic market. Then in 2012, sadly, immediately after the demise of Amar Lula, who was spearheading uh, Sipla's entire operations, he passed away of uh, brain tumor. And uh, that time there was a big crisis and people again started talking about uh, Sipla going to uh, another owner, if not in full, uh, maybe partially. And now it has again come back. 
but this time despite the fact there's no real trigger point like there was in the case when Amarullah passed on the buzz is louder and and there seems to be more fuel to the fire the situation is a little different right now uh, dr hamid is 87 all of them hold about 34% stake sipla is not in that situation which it was about a decade ago it was more fragile it is now very strong you know you can actually see that about 4 or 5 years you can definitely have good growth coming for the company so you know in terms of valuations for a private equity player if they really want to do a deal this could be a good uh, place to kind of pick up a stake and in fact one could argue that what's fueling the fire is what's coming from the company themselves i mean i recall about a decade ago when yusuf hamid was asked by a journalist if there was a possibility of a stake sale and he very vehemently announced outrightly not in my lifetime but that response is very different than what we are hearing now from the company that's a very relevant point so here on july 27th they put a statutory filing to the stock exchanges where they have clarified that the company is not aware of any event that requires disclosures under the listing regulations adding that appropriate disclosures will be made as and when any such requirement arises so that kind of gives you a little bit of a hint that something is within the realm of the probable uh, it's not a straightforward denial that a company will want to give in a situation like this it is saying that right now they are not aware of any situation which has arisen so what has actually triggered the grapevine here is maybe they are discussing the mandate may be out in some form and you know as and when talks progresses maybe a partial exit could be the time when the stock exchange or the investors will be notified so that is a very big difference from what has been the case dr hamid has come out openly and given a very vehement denial that any of these situations will happen but this time it looks like there is some kind of a gray area for people to think that this might be happening because this is not a clear succession story gone wrong i mean they've had their struggles with succession in the past but sipla has turned fully professional and quite successfully so quite a few years ago following the death of mr amarullah in 2012 the professional management actually came in with subhanu saxena who was brought in from i think novartis uh, before that he had again a lot of professional expertise in handling bcg and pepsico so the whole makeover had actually started exactly about a decade ago from that time dr hamid has actually very slowly distanced himself from day to day operation mk hamid his brother was still handy in terms of uh, looking after the day to day operations but strategic directions always used to come from dr hamid because he is a chemist you know what product to be launched how well to do it was all his expertise market and uh, you know overall operations was what his younger brother was doing and uh, samina hamid is the executive chairperson of sipla who uh, was entrusted with this whole idea of professionalizing the organization and with her in command she actually brought in the fresh changes like the ceo uh, umangura who came in they roped in quite a lot of top notch people from dr reddies so the face of the company completely changed and with that also came a new 
uh, boost to the revenues of the organization. In fact, uh, Vikas, as you detail in your piece as well, Umang Vora has got a big thumbs up from the market because of the wide organization revamp he's done, where he's roped in professionals for key leadership functions, including the overhauling of the marketing structures that he's done across United States and Europe. There's been a large pump of the India business as well, and these alliances which made headlines with Roche and Novartis as well. In fact, Sipla's makeover from an opaque and conservatively run enterprise to the one that thrives in a culture of openness has also become a large talking point of the industry. One could argue that Dr. Reddy's is perhaps the only other Indian pharma company where business operations are run by professionals with the founder family taking an overall mentoring role only. And all of these changes have really, uh, the results are being seen on the balance sheet itself. Sipla closed out the financial year which ended in March with a revenue of 22,000 crores. In fact, if you had to put it in perspective, since Umang Vora stepped in, Profit, which was just above a shade of 1,000 crores, has seen the bottom line triple to shut FI23 at about 2,800 crores. The next crash has also surged to close to 5,500 crores versus 1,740 crores, while debt has doubled down to 800 crores from the levels of almost 2,000 crores. In fact, uh, the last of the big thumbs-ups coming in for Mangwara was just the Q1 numbers that have gone by, where the business revenue in the United States is now at a record high. And the management indicated that uh, it's manifesting at a faster clip than they'd anticipated in a spate of brokerage upgrades, including that of Jeffries, came in, with now Sipla being the second most valued pharma stock on the Lal Street. So this is an interesting point in the Sipla story where the stake sale or possibly a sellout is being discussed. What is the word on the street, Vikas? Is it going to be a simple pare down or is there a complete sellout on the cards? Yeah, so that is, again, a very interesting point that you brought up. So on probing a little deeper, uh, what I came to know, and this is, again, something that is not verified by the company, two points here. One is, this is not the first time where they actually had gone all out to give out a mandate. Uh, Maybe for a partial stake, but this has happened once in the past. Somehow, the talks may not have progressed very well, and it didn't reach any finalization. Secondly, now there is a very clear indication that this is something that has happened. And um, there could be many reasons. One is Sipla is at a very strong position right now. You know, it's got very clear view of the next four or five years. Growth is going to come. There is a very clear opportunity that they see even in the overseas markets. The pipeline looks pretty good. What could be one of the potential triggers for this to happen is perhaps some differences within the family. Some members within the family group may be wanting to get some kind of an exit from Sipla. And that is what has probably led the company to believe that, you know, something of that structuring can be done where exits to some family members can still be given. So we don't know the full picture yet because this probably will give the private equity players also some opportunity to do some infusion. And generally, you know, if we see their waiting period is between five to six years. So five to six years they will get for return on their investments. And it can also keep the promoters happy for the valuations that they get. So this is what is actually I'm picking up from the market. 
of course, this is something that has just triggered so many speculations uh, in the last one week. As we said, the buzz is back and not for the first time, but this time it's getting louder. The big question, is the Hamid family fully cashing out or are they pairing stake like they did a few years ago when they sold some stock in the market? Um, Arjit Barman joins us now. Arjit, welcome back on The Morning Brief. And um, what is the buzz and what are dealmakers telling you right now? What's happening with Sipla? Look, Anupriya, this time it's evidently clear, I would say, that the family wants out. As uh, Vikas has been emphasizing that the company has professionalized. Umang Vora spends a lot of time in the US himself. The sole family member who's running the show, Hamid's niece, Samina, she spends most of her time in London. So this is a business or, you know, it is a manufacturing business. Promoters are used to multi-hatting. Now there's a generational shift. Samina's own cousins, her generation, they are not interested running the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Somebody's interested in philanthropy. We saw an experiment uh, which didn't work out and which made Samina take over the saddle. But now it's more or less clear that it is all or nothing. The entire promoter stake is actually up for grabs. And uh, what are you picking up from the street at this point, Arjit? RPs nibbling at it. News reports seem to indicate that Kotak has been given the mandate. There has been a fair amount of P activity in the pharma space, but this is not a small pharma startup or a pharma shooter. This is a massive behemoth of the pharma and the second most valued company on the street right now. This is not a simple piece of cake for a PE firm. Yes, it's not. And, you know, the first thing that actually struck me is the way it's been conducted. Now, probably because of the scale and size, only four or five private equity guys have actually been invited. And that's been the first surprise to me that if something as prized as Sipla are for grabs, why not run a full-fledged, wide process inviting strategics, inviting private equity? Well, the answer to that perhaps is in the fact that, look, this is a company which is almost 94, 95,000 odd crore in market value. Promoters own a little above 30%, around 33 odd percent. Even if, let's assume, if it's a partial stake sale, the promoters sell 15% of that. The moment there is a joint control, which in my case is a very remote chance, even for the sake of argument, we say that there is a joint control deal on the table, which is maybe $2 billion, $2.5, billion at best, which many private equity guys can actually write a check. but it will trigger an open offer as per the SEBI norms because it's joint control. There is a change of control that's getting triggered. And no private equity would want this kind of a combination. If you're writing a large check, you would want to control the destiny of the company, which makes it a bigger challenge because then you have the entire 33% and then automatically the open offer for an additional 26% gets triggered. So we are looking anywhere, depending on the success of the company, 
even if the open offer has very few takers and you can actually have an agreement by which even at 30, 33 or 34% and, and assuming that the open offer completely fails, you control the board. That's what matters. We are looking at a check size which can be anywhere from 4 billion to 6 billion depending on the success of the open offer. Very few private equity guys, even the biggest of the big, like a Blackstone for that matter, who has been desperate for doing pharma deals. They have been active at the healthcare space. They're buying care hospitals, but pharma deals they have been scouting for. $6 billion for one bet, that is tough. Why so? Because if you're buying a company which is fully priced, A, what's the value add that you're going to do? Private equity likes to buy cheap, lever up the company, optimize operation, cut costs, and then exit. Because private equity is not a permanent owner of businesses. They will exit even if it's 10 years, but they will exit after 10 years. If CIPLA continues to grow, and I'm sure private equity, any new investor would want CIPLA to maintain the growth trajectory that it currently is in, you are looking at a $10, $12 billion buyout. How many people on earth will buy a generics company paying that kind of money? None, probably. So finally, Arjit, would you say that the headline is exciting people, but the actual excitement amongst bankers or the deal makers is not so much right now because they're obviously also sort of testing the waters to see where the interest is at. But if there has to be a sellout, it could be a long, prolonged one. Look, this is early days. Everybody's testing waters. As you said, this is not a JB Chemicals. I mean, in terms of shape or scale, uh, this is not a gland pharma. This is a company with over close to 35, 36 plants all over the world. Now, to do diligence on each one of them alone will take a humongous time, effort and energy and money. Then you have the different channels. Do You have distribution. Then you have to see the product pipeline, regulatory clearances, etc., etc. So there's really detailed diligence that has to be done. So it's early days. Some of the Four or five people at best are spending some time. Some names have been reported. But also remember, this is a listed company. If the stock keeps going up and up and up, then the appetite will keep coming down, down and down. Because there's only that much that private equity can pay up. Because everybody would look at an IRR. You cannot buy at peak valuations and then expects to sell at an even greater or higher number. That's going to be an extremely hard task. So therefore, we've seen many granules, for example, is a classic example. Listed company, a full sale process was underway. And then eventually, Carlyle made an offer, stock ran up, the deal fell through. And it's not that we haven't had uh, deals in the listed space, but none, the size or the check that one needs to sign up for, like CIPLAS. This is a colossal deal. If the stock doesn't cool off very soon, then it's going to get harder and harder. And also remember, uh, I mean, let me add that private equity, they don't put the entire money on their own. They will obviously need leverage. And in a high interest rate regime, Getting cheap financing is over. Just last week, 
GIC of Singapore, which is one of the largest backer of buyout funds globally, the chairman in their annual results presentation said that the golden years of private equity and private equity buyouts in public markets is probably over because of the global geopolitics, the interest rates hardening, etc. So these are factors that one needs to keep in mind. So as I said, work is on. Whether work will lead to an actual consummation of a deal, we're still some months away. But the CIPLA speculated sale is not a mere yet another M&A deal. Vikas walks us down memory lane to tell us why. So generally, you know, as a journalist, you kind of track uh, many companies, but a few are the ones which you really watch very carefully because of their own stature that they have achieved. And so uh, there's a lot of emotional attachment also, which should not be, I should be tracking it the way it should be in a very neutral way. But, uh, you know, CIPLA has done a lot of things that really evokes that kind of a sentiment. So one is, there is a very clear national pride here because of what CIPLA did as an Indian institution and as a reliable supplier of medicines within India and low-income countries. So maybe moving about 20 years ago, CIPLA was absolutely at the international headlines for taking a combative role against global companies to break their patterns. And this was at the peak of the HIV AIDS epidemic, which was hitting Africa in a big way. And that was the time when CIPLA really became an international uh, name. Uh, because Dr. Yusuf Hamid at that time said that we can offer AIDS cocktail therapies for the entire year for $350 against a $12,000 which was being charged by global companies at that time. The famous speech that he gave at the European Commission at Brussels where he actually invoked the power of the third world. In fact, let's listen into what Dr. Hamid actually said on the podium. Friends, I represent the third world. I represent the needs and aspirations of the third world. I represent the capabilities of the third world. And above all, I present an opportunity. It is up to you, the international community, to grasp this opportunity and respond positively. We all have a responsibility to alleviate the suffering of millions of our fellow men who are afflicted with HIV and AIDS. My idea of a better ordered world is one in which medical discoveries would be free of patents and there would be no profiteering from life or death. To this, we should add that we all want a world where access to healthcare is provided to one and all, where every citizen can dream of a decent quality of life. That is where I think Dr. Hamid became known as a crusader. The other instance, you know, when uh, all of this was happening, Sir Richard Sykes, GSK CEO, he was angered and he said about generic companies, he spoke to them as pirates. To which uh, Dr. Hamid uh, nicely retaliated saying, pirate is not a nice word to use for anybody. Robin Hood, yes, I don't break laws. So that became a very famous line and it was picked up by The Guardian, by New York Times, everyone. In a similar way, you know, uh, and uh, I had several interactions with Dr. Hamid 
not in the recent past, but of course, a couple of years back. And one of his favorite pictures in the Prabhadevi office is of Mahatma Gandhi visiting Sipla. And that was in 1939. The company was formed in 1935. So in 1939, he had visited uh, the organization and asked for help to supply to soldiers who were participating in the world war. And these were very profound thoughts. And, uh, you know, those are the instances which actually differentiate SIPLA from many other organizations which have actually grown or become even bigger than SIPLA. But uh, that's what, when I speak about the historic relevance and about national pride, this is what really comes up. So when I speak to the old timers, they always feel that, you know, it should be in the hands of people who keep these principles and ethos intact and just not run after every big opportunity that comes their way. Originally called the Chemical Industrial and Pharmaceutical Laboratories, CIPLA is a stalwart in the industry. To most who know CIPLA for the ages, the family relinquishing control of the company is unthinkable. But now, emotions and valuations are both running high and patience is running low. But the excitement amongst investors may not be matching up. With a soured succession as a symptom, the prescription may well be a full sale from the doctor. With that, it's a wrap on this episode of Morning Brief. Thank you for being with us. I'm your host Anupriya Nair. Along with me has been Vikas Dandekar and Arajit Parman. A shout out to the team that put this together. Indranil Bhattacharji on the sound, Vinay Joshi on production. Executive producers, Arajit Anirban and myself. Follow the Morning Brief on the podcast platform of your choice and don't miss out the Friday feature coming up next where TMB's Shabori goes bar hopping to the best in Asia to understand the karobar of a bar. Thank you for listening in and have a great day.